0: We give glory and honor to God for granting us this opportunity to share with you. This is Adventist already, Radio, the voice of hope. Welcome my dear son to this promising session of the New Life program. I'm your presenter Samuel Mangi. Pastor Kigondu Ndwiga is on standby with the Family of Segment today. He will talk about the Ten Commandments of Marriage. Brother Steve Rundu will also be joining us during the Bible session to talk about stewardship of punishment. Lunga Lunga Church Choir will start us off with the song Mikono Safi. Enjoy.
1: to Oh sure.
0: This is Adventist Radio, the voice of hope. It is now time for the family of segment. Jenny, as I welcome Pastor Kigundu. Be blessed.
2: Dear listener, we want to welcome you to our marriage series, The Abundant Life, which is based on John 10 verse 10, where Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. As I have shared with you before, my conviction is that this full life, this abundant life applies to our marriages as well. And today I want us to look at five of the ten commandments for marriage. Dear listener, for the next two sessions we'll be concentrating on 10 principles that we believe will help strengthen your marriage if you embrace and use them. They are titled The Ten Commandments for Marriage and were originally put together by Elizabeth Elliot, who is a former missionary, writer, radio broadcaster, and most importantly, a woman of God. Dear listener, I pray that you'll find these commandments inspiring and helpful. Commandment number one, respect the image of God in the other person. This other person Elizabeth was referring to, of course, is your spouse. Your spouse may not always allow God's image to shine and bless your marital relationship. But remember, he or she was originally created in the image of God, as recorded in Genesis 1 verse 26, and deep within their hearts, there are at least remnants of that image somewhere. If you can't immediately see God's image within your spouse, ask God to help you to see with his eyes rather than yours, and then search for them as if looking for gold. As author Gary Smalley said, How would you treat your wife if you saw them as being autographed by God? Would you value them more? Would you try harder to understand and help them? Respect the image of God in your spouse and see what God can do in and through the efforts you put forth. You'll be blessed for it by God Himself. Finally, all of you, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult but with blessing because to these you are called so that you may inherit a blessing that is recorded in first peter 3 verse 8 and 9 commandment number two remember that god has given you a gift in your spouse well some gifts bring immediate joy And others enrich our lives in ways that we don't immediately see or appreciate. Others bring both immediate and eventual benefits. This can be true of your spouse. You may love him or her right from the start, which brings you immediate joy. Yet once the honeymoon stage is over, you wonder what good you could ever enjoy in your relationship again but god can use even those times to move us to grow stronger in character which will bring eventual benefits dr tony and kim Moore, in their book your spouse is not your problem said marriage is not a lifeless institution nor does it simply contain the lives of the male and female who enter into it marriage is a vehicle fueled by the life of god it has a driver the holy spirit it has a destination the character of jesus christ that's why james 1 verse 2 and 4 says consider it pure joy my brothers whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything commandment number three love always means sacrifice jesus himself set the example for us all in laying down his life for us that's why in ephesians 5 verse 1 to 2 we are told be imitators of god as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to god Ephesians 5 verse 21 says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so ask yourself, dear listener, how you can apply these verses in your marriage. Commandment number four, relinquish your rights. That's a really tough one, especially in today's me-first world, because we can get lured into thinking that our rights and our happiness is what is most important. But Jesus Christ also lived in a tough world, and still he gave up his rights for the betterment of others, including you and your spouse. And I dare say, that is an example for all of us to follow. Read Philippians 2, verse 5 and 8, and in it you can see where Christ himself, who had every right there ever could be to put himself first, emptied himself of all that would stand in the way of showing his love for us to the glory of God. We are told to have this same attitude. In doing so, others around will notice that the love you show isn't like that which the world gives. 1 Peter 2 verse 12 says, Live such good lives among the pagans. Though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. The last commandment for today is commandment number five. It says, let each esteem the other better than him or herself. This is an area that we really see lacking in most married couples. Philippians 2 verse 3 and 4 says to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, that's a tough thing to do. It comes natural to want to put my interest above those of my spouse, but it goes back to remembering that God has entrusted me to be his colleague in showing love to my spouse. That doesn't mean that I am to erase my own opinions or interests, but it does mean that I am not to let my own selfish ambitions take over and erase or downplay the importance of my spouse's. In God's economy, I am to value my spouse's needs over my own. Every one of these commandments are difficult to carry out. But they are worth the results if you take them seriously. It's like what John Buck said in the foreword of the book, Just how married do you want to be? He said, Marriage is easy if you are a perfect person married to another perfect person. For the rest of us imperfect people, marriage feels a lot more like God's gym. We all want health and fitness and loving strength. But as we soon realized after getting married 19 years ago, this doesn't come without training and hard work. Most couples today put more effort into staying in shape physically than training to be a partner that can make love last. We pray you will put more effort in making your marriage as healthy as it can be than in anything else that could distract you from this noble cause. Because marriage is a living picture of Christ's love for the church to a world that needs to know His resurrection power, it is worth every effort you put into it to show your love and faith in action. In doing so, you are communicating the gospel with or without words. Dear listener, we will continue with the next five commandments of marriage in the next presentations. Blessings in Christ. May the Lord richly bless your marriage.
0: We appreciate those who have given us their thoughts concerning this program. We are here just for you. For those who've never communicated to us, you can start today by writing to the producer, Adventist All Radio, P.O. Box 42276, Code 100 Nairobi, Kenya, or email us through awr.nairobi nairobi at ek.adventist.org. Here's a song in Feather, The Habu, by Lunga Lunga Church Choir.
1: I da I just want to go to Capoeira mungu kwa matoleo atubariki com a tua leoa atubari. I just mungu Poor to to cope, okay, mumble. Do you have a mumble? Come at all, you to parity. Go, let me borrow, tell you how to party what i Tu hali nafasi ya kunishi bi Bila dosio fu mambo ya kesho bila you Ombe tu hali bi nafasi Quem mungu me
0: I hope that you've been looking forward to the Bible segment. Join me as I welcome Brother Steve.
3: Stewardship of Punishment Our key text comes from the book of Leviticus chapter 24 verses 19 to 20. I will read. Anyone injures his neighbor, whatever he has done must be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. As he has injured the other, so is he to be injured. God never meant tit for tat in this passage. Punishment to be harsh, the principle of an eye for an eye was actually intended to restrain revenge. In practical terms, if I slapped you on the cheek, you wouldn't be free to both slap my cheek and kick my shin. Jesus, New Testament formula for turn the other cheek, must have sounded extreme in the days of his ministry on earth. Accustomed as we are to live to this language, we no longer consider Jesus' mandate radical, just easy to ignore. In the words of Ambrose, an ancient church father says, What better pattern of righteousness is there than the divine? For the Son of God says, Love your enemies, and again, pray for those who persecute you. He so far removes from the perfect the desire for vengeance that he commands charity for those who do them harm. For if you seek revenge, you know that the unrighteous is punished more severely by his own convictions than by the severity of his judges. Opinions about punishment in our day have become convoluted. Evangelical leader Charles Colson reflects on the situation in the following paragraphs. He says, and I quote, Today, Darrow's hairs fill courtrooms across the country, wringing pity from juries by presenting wrongdoers as victims of forces beyond their control. This kind of defense has grown so common that it is known as the Twinkie Defense, named for a 1978 case in which a man insisted that a steady diet of junk food had raised his blood sugar and addled his brain. Twinkies made him to do it. Yet the traditional conservative approach is equally dehumanizing. For it, propose that crime increases when the benefits of criminal behavior outweigh the cost of punishment. Therefore, the solution is harsher punishments and longer sentences. This denial of sin and loss of moral responsibility has spread across the entire spectrum of our culture, ushering in the golden age of exoneration. Yet punishment actually expresses a high view of the human being. If a person who breaks the law is merely a dysfunctional victim of circumstances, then the remedy is not just but therapy, and the lawbreaker is not a person with rights but a patient to be cured. The problem, said C.S. Lewis, is that to be cured against one's will is to be put on a level with those who have not yet reached the edge of reason or those who never will. But to be punished, however, severely, because we have deserved it because we ought to have known better as a human person made in God's image. Appropriate penalty tempered by Christian love is a worthy ideal for God's representatives as we strive to act as responsible and humane stewards of punishment. How can we learn to to be more effective, to balance justice and personal accountability with mercy in our most significant relationships? How does God exhibit both justice and mercy? Can you think the examples? Have you been punished in your life before? And in what ways have you been punished, if there is? What was the result of that punishment? Did it affect you positively or negatively? Let us pray about this. Lord God in heaven, I aspire to exhibit both justice and mercy in my own life. Help me to learn between the two things, so that, Lord, as I punish people, it is not supposed to be vengeance, but, Lord, driven by love for them. Teach me how to be a good steward of punishment, so that, Lord, your name may be glorified even through punishment, O Lord. I have prayed. All this, trusting and believing in the mighty name of your Son Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: It has been nice having your company. In case you have any views, comments, or questions about the show, please send them to the producer, Adventist Soul Radio. PO Box 42276-00100 Nairobi, Kenya, or email us through awrnairobi at ek.adventist.org. Until next time, I have been a presenter, Samuel Mangi.